So, so far, we're in this series, so far the last few weeks, we've been in this series, the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of your Bibles. And we've just spent the last four weeks in this great sermon that Jesus preached. And as we've been in it, have you guys began to notice that you are changing how you live? Is anyone noticing that? As I'm sitting here these last four weeks, I can't help but go into the rest of my week, and it's changing me. It's the ways I would react, things I would ignore, like especially like people I would ignore, people that were mean to me or something like that. I, or if they're a Christian brother or sister, I'd be like, ah, whatever, they're just being mean. Now I, I, I hear what we heard about, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother. That's convicting. It's, it, call, it, it calls us to action. Right, so far we first were in the Beatitudes, which gives us this beautiful trajectory of the Christian and picture of a Christian life. And then the next week we talked about being salt and light in our worlds, how we are to bring glory to God by doing good. Right, the week after that we talked about how Jesus fulfills the law, right? A lot of people think you just throw out the Old Testament, but Jesus says, no, don't throw it out. Look at how it points to me and everything that I'm doing. Right? And then last week we saw how uh, there's just so much wrong with our hearts. Right? We saw how we are angry. We saw how we're lustful. We saw how we make ro- the wrong kind of oaths, how we yearn for divorce, and how we don't love our enemies well. And so I was, I've just been convicted lately as we go through this sermon. And I think, I think a lot of that is all action-oriented talk. A lot so far has been Jesus pushing us to action. And I think today's text is he's going to kind of nuance that a little bit for us, and I think it's good. But before we get into it, just a quick story. Years ago, when I was in college, I used to be part of this group called uh, Campus Crusade. They're called Crew now. And I was part of Crew, and a big part of crew was that they like to evangelize a lot. They like to evangelize on campus, just grab a random person, pull them, you know, shake them till they believe type of a thing. And I'm just kidding. They do a really good job. And, and so I was part of this group. And uh, what they would do is often they would meet kind of like at a visible area on campus. And then there would be kind of a team there praying for people while other people sent out and went to the rest of the campus. And so I went to one of these one day where they're going out to send people out sharing. And I get to the little group, the little meeting point, and they send me out. And I walk about 100 feet away and I see this girl and she's sitting by herself. So I say, hey, perfect. She's by herself. Um, let me, I'll just talk to her. And so I began to talk to her and share the gospel with her and do all this stuff. But as it went on, I began to notice, well, I didn't notice it right away, but I began to kind of cheat myself out. And what I mean is, this is like a theater term for the theater nerds, you begin to move so the audience can see you. And my audience was the people at the little prayer area at that section. I wanted them to see me. I wanted them to look at me and just see, man, is that Jesus over there? (laughs) Like, he, if that girl doesn't accept Christ, I don't know what else. And so I just remember just being so dynamic and just like, oh yeah, and if you could just tilt your head this way and just hope that these people would see me. And as I left that conversation, I just realized there was this evil thing in my heart that I was evangelizing so that my friends could think I'm some great evangelist. There was something really, really wrong in my heart. And today's text, 
is Jesus speaking to that evil that was in my heart that day? Okay? So let's open to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't know where that is, it is uh, the first book in the New Testament, probably about two-thirds of the way in your Bible. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. We, if we have enough, we'll pass them out. So don't feel weird. We do this every week. If you don't own a Bible, this is yours to keep. If you do own a Bible, just put it on your way out. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and someone will bring you some in a minute. All right, someone will bring it. Um, it just might be awkwardly long. So we are in Matthew chapter 6, and this is the second chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to read verse 1 because right away... We see the point of today's sermon. Verse 1 says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay, that's our main point, so I'm going to read it again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Like I said, this is the whole point of today's sermon, that we as Christians need to be careful when we practice our righteousness so that we don't do it to be seen by men, right? Just like me in my story earlier, I was practicing my righteousness to be seen. I wanted to be seen by others. And I know that there, that, that sounds crazy. You're like, Anthony, you're just a bad person. But I think in reality is we, we're all a little bit like this, right? Some of you are in this room right now just to be seen in this room. I'm glad you're here. I hope the Holy Spirit doesn't work in your heart. But some of you are here just to be seen just so that somebody in your community or in your life thinks you're a good church-going person. Some of you, you might just give away money so people think you're generous. Right? Some of you are like me, where you share your faith in all kinds of places, not because you want people to meet Jesus, but because you want people to think you're a great evangelist. And Jesus is saying we have to beware of this. As he just told us all these ways to live, all these action-oriented things, we have to be careful because our hearts, they want man's admiration. They want mankind's admiration. And so we have to be careful. Now, some might think like earlier when Jesus said, hey, let your light shine so that men may give glory to God, right? Men and women. Men it's using in the like mankind sense, just so you guys know. You might say, hey, that's a contradiction. Jesus just said, let your light shine. But I think he's actually nuancing it for us. He's saying over here, he has people letting their light shine, people that were kind of afraid to do good because they were afraid of what the world would think about them. So Jesus was motivating them, hey, do good so the world might turn to me. And then over here, you have another group that does good, but they don't do it for God's glory. They do it for their own glory. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't be like those guys. And so today, again, we have to beware of our hearts. They're so fickle. They're so easily encouraged by things they shouldn't be encouraged by. And so today's sermon, we're going to look at three areas Jesus saw in his time where people were practicing their righteousness before men to be seen. Okay, and so we're going to look at these three areas. 
So let's, let's go right to verse 2, and we'll see this first area. It says this, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus paints this first scene of what, where he saw people, these hypocrites. And this word is linked to a Greek word for these type of actors they had in Greece who would switch masks over and over and over again. Right? So he's kind of saying, don't be these fake hypocrites. Right? He's, he's, it's, it's a little intense. And he says he sees these people going out. We don't, they're probably the Pharisees. We don't know. It's maybe a lot of people going out. And when they give to the needy, what do they do? They blow a trumpet in their face, right? And I thought maybe, that maybe this isn't literal, but I think it's literal. That they would, these hypocrites, would they go out and they'd be like, oh, this is a homeless person. Here's a dollar. Hold on a second. You're poor. What I, I don't know what they were doing. Like this is for, first. It's like where did they keep the trumpet? And then second, that's got to be so annoying. So, like I can just imagine Jesus just getting ready for the sermon, just like I got to get these guys, these trumpet blowers. And so I think so often though we can do that too. And well, first though, before I get there, I think we see this. We see the story of these hypocrites, uh, the Pharisees or whoever it might be, blowing this trumpet to this person and giving the money and being just a jerk about it and say, man, I, that's crazy. I'm not that bad. I would never be that bad. But the thing is, Jesus knew that this sermon he was speaking would be in our Bibles. He knew we'd be reading it here today and talking about it. And so he know, I think he's saying it because he knows that our hearts are just like the hypocrites' hearts, right? So don't throw, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is kind of a morbid saying, um, and say, hey, these guys were crazy. I've never done anything that crazy. But realize Jesus was speaking to the craziness of their actions, but the reality of all of our hearts. Okay, Jesus was speaking to what goes on in our hearts, I mean, I just see this. I see this in my own life, but I see it, the be- I mean, Facebook, it came out, and I think sometimes I get really mad, I wish I could just delete Facebook, but other times, I think it's been good, because we can really see each other's hearts, and one thing I see all the time on Facebook, Christian or not, someone will post a status or make a comment, and it'll just be like, well, listen, I'm a hard-working father of two kids, and I'm making sure that they're getting a great education. I'm doing all these great things, and look at me. Or, hey, look at this story. Today I went out, and I just, you know, I fed every single homeless person in Flagstaff. Or I did all these great things, and I see this on Facebook, Facebook all the time. And I just have to wonder, as I see my own heart looking for my own glory, when we post stuff like that on the Internet... Are we looking for the admiration of people? Are we looking for their pat on the back? You're like, Anthony, I don't post stuff like that. I just post funny cat videos. Listen, maybe some of you are parts of ministries or churches or parachurches or clubs on campus that does ministry a certain way, and you can't help but find yourself when you're talking to people 
saying the, these things like, yeah, you know that. We're this kind of parachurch. We do these kinds of ministries. And those ones over there, I don't know if they do that, that the right way. I've done that a lot. And I think that's the same evil in my heart, trying to get this person I'm talking to to go, yeah, you are, you are Jesus. <laughs> I never saw it before. But now, like, I think that's what I'm trying to get people to do. And so I think we have to do a mental check. We have to do a heart check, really, and say, is this what I'm doing when I'm sharing these stories? Am I looking for the admiration of people? Am I, am I looking to be praised? Is my hope that someone will look at me and say, man, you're awesome. And I think too often the good that we do, whether it's giving to the poor or whatever it might be, that we are doing it so that others would look at us and think we're the next Mother Teresa. And that we got to check that in our hearts. Before we talk about more of what Jesus said there with the reward and stuff like that, let's move on to the, the next area that Jesus saw people practicing their righteousness before people to be seen, right? And it's verse 5. It says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then, like, oh, we'll stop there actually. So, Jesus, this next thing he saw was people were praying to be seen, right? First, his example was kind of crazy, again, about the hypocrites, right? He speaks to these guys who just stand out on the corners, and I don't know what they're playing. Our Father who art in heaven. Like, I don't know what they're doing, right? Like, I don't know how they're trying to be seen, but that sounds crazy to me. And frankly, I'm not seeing that a lot here. <laughs> Maybe we should see it more, actually, but I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of people just out there in public trying to pray to be seen. But I like what he says in the second group, which are the Gentiles, and I like it because, one, we, most of us are Gentiles, probably like all of us, maybe one or two or not. But most of us are Gentiles, and not only that, is I think what they were doing, we do today in our prayers. And so just... I think it's also, so these, these Gentiles, they were just heaping up these big words and making these long, drawn-out prayers. And listen, I've grown up in the church, and I can relate, right? I can relate to hearing these kinds of things. What I like to do, too, is just imagine, again, like why Jesus was saying this, right? Jesus probably prayed in groups with people. I don't know if they prayed in a circle like we pray in a circle. That's probably pretty different. But he probably prayed in groups with people. And I can just imagine him at a prayer meeting sitting there, God of the universe, and just listening to some of these prayers and going, oh, man, please just stop sounding. You sound like you're on Downton Abbey or something. Like, just stop it. Just stop it. I'm right here. Just talk to me. Right? Or, you know, we hear I just... Sometimes I just hear people pray and I can tell they're just trying to be impressive because they're like, they're just naming like Christian books. They, they read like, God, let my utmost be for your highest. Let my crazy love be for you. 
I want to desire God today, right? I'm just a ragamuffin, right? Like, I, like, I just think... <laughs> People, they like, we often in prayers, we're, we're trying to impress one another a little too much. I see it myself. All the time, I might make a joke, right, in a prayer. And I'm not, I don't, I don't know if God's laughing, um, but I'm making it for the people around me. It's not wrong, wrong to make jokes in prayer. But it can be if I'm looking for the admiration of the people I'm praying with. And so I just think that it's so funny because I think that's so similar to how we are. That, that we often pray, and we pray in this way that sounds nothing like we sound in real life, right? Like Jesus was telling us, don't sound like a Downton Abbey character, right? And so that was my imitation of Jesus. Um, he didn't really say that. And so I think we too often just sound so insincere in our prayers. Some of you might hear too, you might be going, listen, Anthony, I don't really pray in groups, so again, I'm not like that. But I, I want to challenge you and, and challenge and say maybe you are a little bit. Now, here's, here's what my RC is like a lot. This is my redemption community. We'll get in a big group and we'll pray or a small group and we'll pray. And every time the same thing happens, I'll say, hey, we're going to pray over this. Everybody just pray as you feel led. We'll popcorn pray as we say so you don't have to go in a circle. You can just go as you want. And I'll go, I'll, I'll open us, you know, I'll usually say, my wife, Jess, will close us, and I'll start praying, and then I'll stop. And then I think, I think if you count it out, there's 47 minutes of silence completely, like, where I'm just, and I'm, I grew up in the church, so I'm like, I'm not uncomfortable, keep going, <laughs> quieter, let's not, like, and then, like, and, but I think, so first, if you're not praying because you're shy, that's okay, you're a little shy, that's all right. But I talk to people about this a lot. I'll be like, hey, why don't you ever pray in groups with us? And often they'll say, like, listen, I just think it's going to sound bad. I just, I'm afraid of how bad I'm going to sound. And if that's what you think, you're buying into the same system that Jesus is showing us. The system that says, hey, I got to use all these big words so I sound good during prayer. You're buying into that if you refuse to pray because you're afraid of how good or bad, really, you sound. We need to pray sincerely. We need to not worry about the people around us. And I think Jesus gives us a great charge, a way to not buy into the system of, of looking good in front of others. And listen, I'll say this, some churches, they make you want to do that. They, they won't let you pray on stage if you're bad or praying, or they won't let you do this or that if you're bad, and, and maybe there's some good reasons for that. But sometimes I think that our communities try to make each other look way too polished when really God wants our hearts, our sincere hearts. And so Jesus gives a great charge, and he gave it to the hypocrites out on the corner, but I think the charge goes to us Gentiles as well, or anyone that struggles with this, is it says, when you pray... Go into your room, go into the closet, shut the door, and pray before God. Just you and him. And here's the thing. If the only place you're praying is in groups, that's a problem too. You are praying just to be seen by people. Right? Maybe it's part of it is community is pushing you towards prayer, and that's totally great, and that's totally good. But if you don't have a personal prayer life, your public prayer life is going to be terrible too. Right? We need to go into our rooms. We need to go into private places and pray before God. And the more, uh, the more our private prayer life becomes a reality, the more our public prayer life will be sincere. That will sound like ourselves. 
Okay, so be careful when you pray to not pray in a way that tries to get you to be seen by the people around you, tries to get you to get glory. And next week, I love this, the next few verses, Jesus, all, Jesus teaches all the, the way to pray, the way we can structure our prayers. Jesus doesn't give a ton of like, uh, like here, do this specific, specific action sometimes. But here he does, and it's awesome. And we're going to spend some time just next week, what, what that means for us, how that can change our personal prayer lives, and even our public prayer lives. And so come next week to hear on that. But for the sake of time, we're going to hop over um, these verses, and we're going to go to verse 16. And we're going to look at this last area that Jesus spoke to where he saw people living their righteousness to be seen by people. And it's verse 16. It says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So this last area that Jesus saw people living out their righteousness to be seen by others is with fasting. Again, maybe not one we really struggle with. I'm looking at myself. Um, but I think that this does still happen in Christian community sometimes. I remember again in college, I have this good buddy, and we knew when he was fasting because every time he was fasting, he would be carrying around a big old gallon of water as if to say, like, this is all I got, guys. This is all I got. I'm not eating solids, just water. Just like, I was like, do you freeze it and eat the ice? And then, um, and he would walk around with this and he'd be disheveled and be like, oh, I can barely make it through today and all this stuff. And he was kind of a newer Christian. And so it was starting to annoy me. And I was like, hey, dude, quick Bible study. Let's just read through this really quick. <laughs> what do you think? Please stop. And, uh, <laughs> right? And, and he stopped, right? And so this was, this was good for him to hear because he realized that he was beginning to fast so others might see him, right? I was like, hey, listen, stop being like these emo hypocrites. Like, I, that they just figure their faces and just walk around and, and just looking f for admiration. And he stopped. He changed how he fasted. And he, he still fasted because he did ultimately and then want Jesus. And listen, I don't, I, again, like I said, I don't think a lot of us are just out here fasting to be seen by others. In that society, in Jesus' time, it was super common. There was debates about fasting. People were doing it twice a week. The religious leaders were saying, no, you gotta do it this way. Others were saying, no, you gotta do it this way. And they were disheveling their faces and putting even ashes on their faces. And, but I think that we can look at all the examples that Jesus gave us today with helping the needy, praying and fasting. And we can, we can simply say, like, to do righteousness or spiritual things so that man sees you is a really bad idea. And I think we can say, hey, I think we might do that a little bit here in this room. I think some of us do that. Now, this is the classic example, and I only use it because I've done it before. But where you do the hand raising so that some girl or some guy is like, wow, is that... Is that King David over there? Like, I, I, like, like, so that we could be seen and so that someone will think like, man, you are so good at worshiping. You are just amazing, right? Sometimes that happens. We should still raise our hands. But sometimes when you are raising your hands 
just to be seen, maybe you shouldn't raise your hands. Maybe you should deal with what's going on in your heart first. This is a super common one. I think it, ha I, don't, I don't know what happens, but if you're a Christian and you turn 18, something inside of you says, I think it's time I learn acoustic guitar, right? <laughs> and, right? And listen, it's not wrong to learn it. For some of you it is, but... And I saw a lot of people in my youth group and in my college groups learning acoustic guitar because they just wanted someone to roll up on them and be like, this is King David. <laughs> yeah, like, they can't. They're so good at worshiping. Like, just and roll up on them and just be like, oh, time for worship? I got it right here, guys. Bum, bum, bum. Right? We don't, we don't, of course, the trumpet thing is crazy, but this makes sense, bringing a full-size guitar. But, uh... <laughs> Listen, so we, listen, it's okay to learn it, but sometimes I think we do it with the wrong heart. Another thing I see on Facebook, Facebook's been amazing for this week, for this sermon, um, or Instagram or whatever, is someone will post a picture at a coffee shop of the books they're reading, and I swear this picture looks like a Wes Anderson movie. And I'm like, what is going on here? Everything's centered, everything's perfect. They're by, oh, right to the page. Oh, look how highlighted their Bible is, and all this stuff. And again, it's not wrong to take those pictures, but it is wrong if you're posting it just to see how many people click the heart on your picture, or to click the, click the like, or whatever it might be. You're doing it with the wrong heart when you post that picture, hoping that others see you, this mighty theologian. I, I was convicted just a few weeks ago, something I did, uh, to tell you the truth, is uh, I was beginning to make this prayer list on my computer that I was gonna print out and tape to a wall in the office. And our offices, our church offices, is just really one big room, and we each kind of get a corner type of a thing. And so everybody sees all my stuff, and people come in all the time, and they see what's, what's around. And as I was making this prayer list, I, I subconsciously, but also probably more consciously than I'd like to admit, was putting these things on this list like, man, if people walk by my desk and see this, they'll think, man, he's good at praying, right? Like, oh man, he's, he's got some good ideas about what to pray about. And as I finished it and I was about to print it out, I just realized, oh, dang it. <laughs> I, this is wrong. Like me printing this out is wrong. Now that prayer list isn't wrong. I should pray for those things, but me wanting to tape it to the wall or to my desk so that others might see it and go, man, Anthony is just cool. He's good. What a prayer warrior. That's wrong. That's wrong in my heart to seek that praise, to seek man's praise in that way. So listen, all these examples I used today, they were for fun and they were real and I think we do these things. Some of you are doing those things and you're not doing them to seek man's praise. Okay, so please don't feel defensive. If you are feeling defensive, I would say, hmm. But, <laughs> but... Some of us are doing them, and we don't even realize it, but we're doing it to get the pat on the back from our brothers and sisters in Christ or even the world. And this is a system we all buy into. It's not just Christians. I think I hear all the time, especially like this is like an L.A. culture that people have sometimes where, where they just have to be saying the next big thing that they're working in and all these projects and all this awesomeness and how they're becoming the greatest person ever, right? And I think our culture buys into this idea to get praise from others full throttle. Like I think we're, going, we're, we're seeking after it. And I think as Christians, we, we buy into it too much as well. 
And I love Jesus at the end of each of these passages or these little examples, he keeps saying that your, your father who sees in secret will reward you. This, this is what, to, what you really want is God's reward, I think is what Jesus is saying. What you really want is God's reward. So what is God's reward? Now, first, there, there is a reality in the Bible that when you do good as a Christian, one day God is going to reward you, reward you in eternity. I don't know what that will look like. Some people, you know, I think they materialize it a little bit too much. Be like, he's going to give me a nice car, right? Like, I don't think that will matter, right? Maybe he'll give us superpowers. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> sorry, side thought. <laughs> Get the nerd out of here. Um, but anyways, and, and I think that's part of it for sure. But I think the ultimate reward in each of these areas is that we get God, right? That's the biggest reward, that we get not only God, but we get his love, his affirmation, and his approval over our life, right? There's something very real in each and every one of you that wants approval, Right before sin came into the world, we were these, Adam and Eve were living with God and we were going to be too if they didn't sin. And they just, they had God's approval all the time. They, they, could, they could say, God, did you, did you see me name all the animals? And God would be like, yes, you did, Adam, good job. Stay away from the tree, right? And just, <laughs> and, and there's something in us that God made you and me, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, that you want his approval, you want God's love. You want his acceptance of you. But the problem came in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned and passed sin on to us. And when we're born and we start sinning, that in our sin, we've taken that good thing of being created for God's affirmation, love, and, and we've sought man's and women's affirmation and love of us that that becomes way more real to us, that the pat on the back, that the laugh at our joke, that whatever it might be that you feel approval with, that that's what became most important to us. And that's because of sin. But Jesus, in these verses, he says, listen, I've got something better for you. I've got God for you. I've got God. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That is a far better reward, that, that God could meet these needs in the depths of your heart to be affirmed, loved, and accepted. Right? God wants to just make us children. My daughter, uh, I take her to McDonald's sometimes. Please stop judging me. And <laughs> there's a playground in there, and there's this tree slide, if you've been in it, the one here in Flagstaff. And she loves going down this tree slide. But with this tree slide in particular, usually when I'm sitting farther away, and I'm watching her the whole time. She's kind of small. I don't want kids to beat her up. And um, she'll slide down this slide, and she'll look across the room, see me dead in the eye. Saw, like, as she was sliding down the slide, she's seeing me dead in the eye anyways. But she's sliding down the slide. She sees me and doesn't care who's all around, and she just goes, Dad, did you see that? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. I think you need glasses like your dad. And uh, no, I don't say that. I just say, yes, you did amazing using gravity to your advantage. Like, you are awesome. And I love you and all of these things. And she just wants to be affirmed and loved and accepted. And that thing in Amelie is a little picture of what we want with God. We want to look to God and just say, did you see that? But too often we go 
to a girl or a guy or whoever and we say, hey, did you see that? Please laugh. Please. I need your acceptance, right? And if we're honest with like the Smeagles inside us, I think that's how we are. And so we have to realize that we're so broken that the acceptance we seek is often man's and not God's. But God created you for his acceptance. Right, we need to realize that, that we're that broken, that we're that sinful. And here's the good news is Jesus said, hey, I see how broken and messed up you are. And I see how you're seeking everyone else's approval amongst other things. And that even when you do good, you can't even do good right without me helping you out here. And he said, hey, I need to come and show you what it's like to live perfectly. I need to come and I need to die for that sin, that brokenness in you. I need to step in its place And he did, and he died on the cross to defeat sin, to defeat sin in your and my life. And then he raised from the dead, and he raised from the dead. And when that that is a picture of that one day in eternity, we're going to have resurrected lives with him where we will seek the right form of acceptance and love, where we will chase after the right form of acceptance of love. And God, it says in Revelation 21, that God will be with us, that he will live with mankind. That is a picture, that is the good news for you and me. For as much as we seek these these evil inclinations of our heart to be accepted and loved by those around us, that God says, no, listen, I really made you for my love and acceptance, and I'm going to make a way through my son to be saved, and all you have to do is trust in him. Listen, I think that so many people in our culture, they want to be famous. I, don't, I think Vince talked about it in a sermon a few months ago. It's one of the number one things our, this age group of millennials wants. And I, I don't think it's just them. I think our whole generation wants it. Show The Bachelor is a prime example. But I think we just want this love and acceptance. And we chase after it and we want to be famous and we think that's what's going to help us. But if you, you can see so many quotes from so many famous people that say, hey, this isn't enough. I've reached the the pinnacle. I'm famous everywhere. And there's still a hole in my heart. And I think because really what our hearts are asking is, God, did you see me? God, do you see me? And I think God, I want to say this, God sees you. Okay, last night I was working on this. This wasn't really part of my sermon, but I just had this inclination in my heart to say, God sees you. Right, God sees you when you're alone in your room. God sees you you, when you're in a big group and you just feel yourself putting on the masks like the hypocrites. God sees you. He loves you. He accepts you. He wants to pull you towards him. He wants to make you like Christ so you don't have to put on the masks. He wants to see your face. Right? Not because you're awesome, but because God just loves you. What a picture of God that he loves us even though we're clawing at the masks and putting them on even after we've said we've trusted in him. But if you're here, Christian or not, God sees you. God loves you. And that's why Jesus died for you and for me, to bring you back to God, to show you that God wants to love and accept you through Christ, through what Christ has done for you and for me. So let's be a people that not seek the, the righteousness of man because at the end of the day, this passage shows us that our reward, we'll get re- what reward we want. If it's the reward of, of praise and clapping and pats on the back, we'll get that. But it will, 
it will fail in comparison to the reward we'll get when we actually seek God's approval and affection and love for us that can be found through Christ, through faith in him. If that's something you want, all you have to do is say, Jesus, help me. As Christians here, if you find yourself strained towards the affection of mankind so much, just stop and say, Jesus, change my heart. Start looking for God's praise of you, God's acceptance of you, not praise. Maybe that's a bad word, a bad word to use, but God's love and affirmation of you instead of man's. Let's be a people that realize our human heart needs more than what this world can provide. We need God. So let's stop seeking in the world what only God can give. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you and we need you. God, we are such fickle creatures. We chase after the rewards of love, patting on the back or laughing at a joke or telling us that we did a good job or people thinking we're the best. And God, it's just more real to us, unfortunately. And God, that's why we need the power of your, of your Holy Spirit to work in our minds, work in our hearts, and cause us to realize that your affection, your eyes on us is much better for us. God, help us. Seriously, God, help us to not have these hearts that want to create and do these things to be seen. Help us to have the more redeemed version of that is where we let our light shine so you get all the glory, God, because you deserve it. God, we need you and we love you. Help us. And God, I, I want to say this too. In this room right now, if there's people in here that don't feel like they're seen and that's why they chase after all these things they can find in the world, God, let them know you see them. Let them know that by the power of Jesus, by faith in Jesus, you accept and love them. God, we need you and we love you. Amen.